Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I want to say up front as we get started that there are some subjects that preachers like to preach on and others that aren't so much fun, and today happens to be one of those that's not so much fun. It's the topic or subject of submission. So I want to start out by kind of lightening the mood up and telling you a little joke I heard about a teacher who gave her fifth grade class an assignment. She told the kids to go home and have their parents tell them a story that had a moral at the end. The next day, the kids came back, and they're telling their stories one by one. And the teacher looks over and sees little Johnny, and she says, Johnny, uh, do you have a story to share? He looks at the teacher and says, yes, ma'am, I do. My daddy told me a story about my Aunt Carol. He says she was a pilot in Desert Storm, and her plane got hit. And she uh, bailed out in enemy territory, and all she had on her was a small flask of whiskey, She had a pistol and she had a knife. Well, she drank the flask of whiskey on the way down because she didn't want it to break. Uh, Then her parachute landed herself right in the middle of 20 enemy troops. And she killed 15 of them with her gun until she ran out of bullets. And she finished off four more with her knife until the blade broke. And then she actually finished the last enemy with her bare hands. Good heavens, said the horrified teacher. What kind of moral did your daddy tell you this story had? He said, well, he said to stay away from Aunt Carol when she's drinking. Let me jump right in and look at uh, how we're continuing on with our sermon series in our uh, book of 1 Peter. I want to start out with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. This says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. He's actually saying this world is their home. It's not our home. It's their home. And as believers, we're just foreigners in this land. We don't actually belong here. We're outsiders. In fact, remember the words of Jesus when he said, you are in this world, but not of this world. In the world, but not of it. That's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, for our citizenship is in heaven. What's that mean for us? It means that even though we're citizens maybe of Douglas County or whatever county you're from, and citizens of the United States, even citizens of this world, We're primarily, as believers, citizens of heaven, right? We have another home. This world is not our home. And because we're citizens of heaven, we're always going to be square pegs in round holes. We're never exactly going to fit. I think we should get used to that because our problem is when we forget that and who we are, we start living as if we're citizens of this earth rather than eternal citizens of heaven. That's important to remember. And when Peter Uh, drills down on this I think it's because knowing who we are helps us to make the right decisions along the way when certain things happen in our lives look at verse 12 Peter says live such good lives among the pagans or among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us simple translation he's saying live such good lives that their accusations won't and can't stick to you. I think Peter is actually making a plea for integrity. Some of you remember Irma Bombeck, a great author of years gone by. She had what she called Bombeck's rule of medicine, which was pretty simple. It was this, never trust a doctor whose houseplants have died. I think it makes sense. If you can't take care of a plant, then you're definitely not taking care of me. But let me ask you this, how many... How about trusting a Christian 
whose life doesn't line up with or reflect any of the things that they claim to be. How about trusting that kind of Christian? I think we all realize that every day we're being watched by unbelievers. And the biggest reason is, I think, they're just trying to gather more dirt on us. They want to catch us in whatever they think we're doing and say, aha, I got you. Or they're watching to see if you and I will fail. And sad to say, they love it when we fail. And when you lose your cool, there's always going to be someone to say, hey, and you call yourself a Christian, sure. You know what happens next in our day? They blast you on social media, right? And they expose your hypocrisy. I would encourage you, don't listen to a thing they say. Don't listen to anything they blast you on social media with. Because actually what they're trying, trying to do is just make every believer out to be a fraud. That's all they're trying to do. But Peter's telling us that no matter what people do or say about you, show them Christ by the way you live your life. No matter what they do to you or uh, say about you, show them who you really are by how you live your life in Christ. Because the day may come when that person that's criticizing you because of the way you lived your life could actually be standing beside you praising God with you. Amen? You could have such an effect on them. So here we are, citizens of heaven, living in a world where we're surrounded by people who are only citizens of this earth. But we're called to live a whole lot differently than they live. And Peter actually says in order to do that, you've got to follow a certain example. He tells us that example in verse 21. He says, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So how did Jesus respond to suffering? How did he respond to being treated unjustly and unfairly? Look at verse 22. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Easier said than done, right? It's a hard thing to do. And let me ask you, how many of you are brave enough to admit that you practice? You actually practice telling people off. Maybe it's on your way home in the car from work and you've had a, uh, you're kind of revisiting a conversation you had that day with someone. And there are things that you wish you would have said, a zinger you could have got in there, a zinger you could have got in uh, over here. Or maybe you still want to get those zingers in. As human beings, we're trying to avenge ourselves, right? We're trying to get back at that person. We're trying to clear the air, expose the truth. But you know, Jesus didn't act that way. He didn't do that. Look what he did. It says he did not retaliate. He didn't make threats. He left everything over to God. How does he tell us to do that? I think if you want to set the example that Jesus said in verses 22 and 23, you have to actually go back to verse 13. Look what Peter says starting out in verse 13. Submit yourselves. I want to stop here because we hate those two words. But did you notice it's not something that's done for you? It's something that you have to do. You make a decision to do. Submit yourselves. It's voluntary. It's something that you have to decide. And as people, I would say most of us don't like to be in a place of submission. And I think it's all because we have an authority problem. I would say most of us don't like to be told what to do by anybody. And have you ever noticed that when people get pulled over and given a speeding ticket for speeding or a parking ticket or whatever, and they don't think they uh, deserve it, what do they do? Yeah, they try to argue their way out of it. So let me ask you, how many of you have ever tried that? How far did it get you? Probably not very far, right? I heard this story about a woman who was running late one day and got pulled over. 
for speeding and she was given a ticket. The officer wrote it out and handed it to the woman who was clearly uh, upset. He said, here's your uh, speeding ticket, ma'am. The woman who was getting angrier by the second blurted out to the policeman, I wonder what happens when you actually uh, catch a real criminal. The police officer just calmly said, well, I don't really know because all I ever catch are the innocent ones. So true. My point is it's hard to submit no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through. What about when you're driving along and you see this uh, camera on the top of a uh, uh, traffic signal light? What do you do at the time? You probably slow down because you know you're on camera. What do you do when you get out of range of that camera? You speed up. And how about the day we're living in with all these COVID restrictions where whenever you go to the grocery store, you have to put on your mask. You have to uh, walk down the aisle in a one-way direction following the arrows. A few weeks ago, maybe it's a few months ago, Cheryl and I were at Walmart. We're buzzing along doing our grocery shopping. And we get all the way down to the end of the grocery aisle. And we're following the arrow, and she's pushing the cart. And we get down all the way to the end of the aisle, and I remember I forgot my Frosted Flakes. And I said, I forgot the Frosted Flakes. Well, instead of going all the way around and coming back up, Cheryl thinks for a second, and then she just starts backing up her cart as if she's still going in the right direction. I thought it was genius. How many of you have ever done that? Yeah, if you haven't, well, we need to pray for my wife. Anyway, verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. What's it say there? Which ones? Every human authority. That means parents. That means teachers. That means bosses. That means government leaders. That even means leaders of your church. But when people work together, they actually follow an orderly uh, authority structure, you might say. It's in order. Sometimes those people in authority are full of wisdom, and sometimes they're not. So Peter tells us how to respond. He says in verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by him, by the king, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. You know, we don't serve emperors or kings today, but we do have presidents, we have governors, we have mayors, we have state and local police officers, we have uh, principals of schools, superintendents of schools, and that's just to name a few. We've got all sorts of authority figures all around us. I told you in the beginning this was going to be a hard message to preach and a hard one to handle. And its timing is kind of unbelievable, especially coming after an, a major election that we've just had where people lost their dang minds for sure. I'd say this has been an ugly time in the history of our country for sure. It's been an ugly political race. And I'm going to have to bite my tongue and just follow the scriptures today. To stay on track, just to follow what Jesus says, because I believe God has an important message for us to follow, even after such an event as we saw in this election, that really no matter what political side you're on, all I'm asking you today is to be honest with yourself, open your heart, and listen to what God has to say in the Scriptures, because that's the only way you'll get through things. That's the only way you're going to find peace in your life. And by the way, God's the God of order. Not chaos, but order. Man twists things and turns them into chaos. But God's a God of order. But in verse 14, he lays it out why government is established for God's purposes of commending the good and actually punishing those who do wrong. That's why I think it's absolutely important that our government leaders come to know the difference between good and evil. 
And you know, the more I'm looking around, the less and less I think they know the difference between good and evil. Because when government establishes laws that are in accordance to God's laws, then they're fulfilling their purpose. And that's a good thing. But when they're doing their own thing and not following God's laws and just setting whatever rules they want to set, that's a bad thing. That's out of order. Romans 13 verse 1 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. You know, when I look at that, I have to step back and say, God, I'm just going to say okay on this. I'm going to have to trust you on this. Because God tells us to do this because God himself has established not some earthly authority, but all earthly authority. They're all there by God's permission. Nothing happens without God's permission. He's in control over it all at all times. So everything actually passes through his hands first, right? So he's not shaken when uh, certain things happen at all. Because God's actually doing something bigger with the whole situation. He's putting certain people in powers of authority or places of authority to work out his purpose, his plan, and in his perfect timing. But it also doesn't mean that God condones all the actions of what they do with that authority. In fact, I believe he'll judge them very severely with misusing that authority. But we also need to remember that we don't see the bigger picture. We don't. Only God does. If you remember in the Old Testament, God used evil rulers and kings and nations like the Assyrians and the Babylonians to actually bring his people Israel down to their knees, back to their knees and back to him. So in all the craziness of our days, I have to know deep within my heart that God is using this for a supreme purpose, a greater purpose, and that's to bring people to him. In Isaiah 45, verse 1, God calls the ungodly Persian king because he was a godless king, but God calls him God's anointed. doesn't make sense, but God had a purpose for this king. Even during the captivity under a pagan nation, God was working behind the scenes to bring about his purpose, to bring about his master plan. So just remember this, God's still at work in our country. God's still at work in our world even when you and I can't see it, even when we don't understand it. But when, if you go back, when Peter wrote these words about submitting to the emperor, he was talking about a specific man at that moment, a man by the name of Nero. A man who was a wicked man who led the greatest persecution against Christians of that day for sure, and maybe of all time. Nero was such an evil man, he murdered his own mother, had thousands of Christians murdered. He even covered Christians with oil or tar and hung them from poles and put them in his garden, lit them on fire to light his garden. That's how insane and evil this guy was. And it was also under Nero that Peter ends up being martyred for his faith. So imagine being this church that Peter's writing this letter to. When they get this letter from Peter, I'm sure they're thinking, Peter, what are you talking about? We're to submit to this guy, to get in line with this guy, to uh, submit to his authority? Are you crazy, Peter? Having said all this, though, I need to point out another thing. I don't believe God's using Peter to tell us that we have to always submit and obey every earthly ruler. He's not. If you know your Bible, there are many examples in Scripture where God's people didn't bow down and submit to Pharaoh's kings and councilmen because submitting to them would, be, would mean being disobedient to God. 
Remember the story about Pharaoh telling the Hebrew midwives to kill all the newborn babies about the time Moses was born? They refused. What happened? God blessed them richly. Daniel and his friends refused the orders of the king that they should stop praying to their God and start praying to his God or they'd be thrown into the lion's den or thrown into the fiery furnace. They refused. God protected them. There's another incident in uh, the book of Acts where we read where Peter doesn't comply. Peter doesn't submit to earthly government. Peter was told that he couldn't share about Jesus anymore. He couldn't share his faith anymore. He couldn't try to make converts anymore. What was Peter's response? It was pretty bold. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Peter says, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. He's basically saying, we don't care what you say. We've got to keep talking and sharing the truth about Jesus Christ. And in chapter 5, he explains it this way. We must obey God rather than man. There are times we must obey God rather than man. Is there ever a time when a Christian should defy and not obey and actually not submit to government authorities and rules? Absolutely. One of my commentaries uh, put it best. I think it's uh, pretty amazing. It says, submit until submitting to earthly authority makes you not submit to heavenly authority. Simply or put, you obey until your obedience makes you disobey God. So when government laws conflict with God's laws, and I don't know about you, but I'm noticing every day where more and more laws seem to be conflicting with God's laws. In fact, just this past week, I saw where one of the ranking members of Congress, and they're supposed to be our lawmakers, said this in an interview. He said that God's will is of no concern to Congress. God's will is of no concern to Congress, and they're supposed to be the lawmakers. So again, when government laws conflict with God's laws, we're not to submit to government authorities then. We're submitting to God. Because remember again, this world is not our home. We're just passing, passing through. Our citizenship isn't of this world. It's a heavenly citizenship. So why does Peter tell us to submit to earthly rulers even when, they know, when we know they're ungodly? I'll give you a couple reasons. One is we submit to honor God. That's above everything else. We submit to honor Him. Look again at verse 13. Submit yourselves, and it says, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority. So as Christians, we're not to submit to earthly authorities just because we agree with their views or we voted for them or uh, they're nice people. No, we are to submit for the Lord's sake. And high school uh, students, they don't submit to their teachers just because they like uh, their teacher. No, they're to submit for the Lord's sake. When it comes down to it, we are to obey the laws of God. And when we behave the laws of God, uh, when we behave the laws that are set, that are based upon the laws of God, then actually what are we doing? We're pleasing God. Even if it means paying your taxes, which you don't want to do, or anything else you don't want to do. We're pleasing to God. Listen to what the Message Bible uh, paraphrases verses 13 and 14 to say. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. What kind of citizens? Good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. And catch this one. Respect the government. 
The point is when we submit, we're not just submitting to earthly rulers, we're actually submitting to God. And we're submitting, why? For the Lord's sake, to actually honor Him. Because we're honoring God and obeying God when we obey people. As hard as it is in today's climate, the Bible is spelling it out. I said I was going to stick to Scripture. Submit to the President, even if you didn't vote for Him. Submit to the President, even if you're not part of His party. But when I think about it, somewhere along the lines, things have gotten broken. Somewhere along the lines, people have forgot the respect and honor of the position of the United States. I've seen it time and time again in past elections, in past years, but I've really seen it in the past four years. We become so divided, so hostile toward each other, but God says by honoring people in authority, you're actually honoring God. And do they always get it right in government? No. In fact, I'd say in Washington, D.C., from what I know about it, they usually get it wrong. Government bureaucracies and government officials are full of sinners. They're full of sin. But the truth is, anywhere you have fallen human beings, there's going to be sin. That's everywhere. Not just in government. That's in our churches. That's in our own lives. Yet God tells us to obey our leaders as long as it doesn't conflict with obeying God. That's the difference. The second reason, if you're taking notes, Peter tells us to submit to earthly rulers, is to silence foolish people. Look at verse 15. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Christians in the first century were constantly uh, the targets of slanderous rumors. I mean, they were talked about all the time. Stories were told about them. They were told as being these people with these secret rituals, people that uh, were of another kingdom serving another god, people that were trying to enforce or uh, push their uh, morality on the people. And those rumors would eventually get back to Nero, this wicked uh, emperor, and he would retaliate. But I love what Peter does, and it goes against the grain of our human nature. Peter says, don't get defensive. Don't get out there and blast them on social media. Silence this ignorance by living a godly life. I think that's amazing. Silence their ignorance by living a godly life. Don't uh, fight back. Don't try to get back at them. Show them that they're wrong. How? By you living right. Show them they're wrong by living right. Make yourself an example against all the adversity, just like our supreme example, like Jesus did. In other words, people can say all they want to say about you, all the bad stuff they want to say. But when it comes to them looking at your life and how you're living your life, how about living our lives in such a way that when they look at us, they almost have to say, you know, I may not like this person or believe what he believes, but they're different. They're different. They're unique. And there are times when I wish I had what they have. Truth is, anybody can be a Christian and live a Christian life when we're being treated fairly and justly, right? That's easy. But look what he says in verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. So right there in that little verse, he tells us to do four things. First of all, he says, show respect or honor to everyone. You know, we're to honor people for Jesus. We're not to honor people just for Jesus' sake. Not because of what they can do for us, but because of what Jesus has already done for us. He says, love the brotherhood of believers, number two. That's having a special love for the church. Number three, fear God. Hold Him in high esteem. Hold Him in special reverence. 
Place him at the center of everything in your life. And finally, he says, honor the king. Maybe the hardest thing to do. Show him the respect that do, that's due him as a human being and show him the respect of the position that God is putting him in, uh, into for a time, for a season. Because it, when it boils down to it, it's not about fear. It's not about love. It's about honor. And it's about respect. It doesn't mean you can't disagree. It doesn't mean you can't criticize. You probably should and you can. But the whole thing is you never cease to honor and respect the position. And when we deal with authority that's over us, it may be a boss, an employer, it may be a teacher, it may be somebody that's taken advantage of you, that's wronged you, that's actually hurt you, Peter still says to submit. Submit to them because in doing so, we show the humility and the character of Christ. And eventually, that may actually lead them to accept Christ. If that's the case, it's worth it all. So when it comes down to it, submission is a choice. It's a spiritual issue between you and God. It's between you and God because you can tell from what I've said so far, God himself is supreme authority over all human authority. And when we refuse to admit to human authority, we're actually rebelling. The Bible says this thing about rebellion in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. Rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft. When you rebel against earthly authorities, you're not just rebelling against them, you're actually rebelling against God. And spiritual rebellion is not a good thing. It leads to anarchy and it leads to destruction. And I think that's been a big problem in our world today. We've seen way too much of that. But our God is not a God of chaos, He's a God of order. You realize when He created everything in the beginning, He did it in a perfect sequence uh, of days, six days, and he had everything created, set this world in motion. So God's a God of order. And then in the perfect timing, he sent his own son into this world. Jesus is the only authority that's going to help us get through the most difficult times in our life. Jesus has always been here. He's been through what you've been through. He's here to help you through what you're going through. But he wants us to follow his example. He is our example. Peter's actually telling us Christ suffered for us, leaving for us an example to actually follow him in his steps. He's the example that we have to follow. If you want to have peace in your life, peace in your heart, and victory in your life, you've got to follow his example. And as I prepare to close this out, there's so much more I could say. But I have to stop, but I want to go over one very important observation, especially when it comes to people who might be struggling with this whole Christianity thing. What you're going to see time and time again in this book of 1 Peter, what you're going to see on every page and in every verse, that Peter really believed in Jesus with all of his heart. And he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Peter built his whole hope on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That once he was dead, but he came back to life. And that Jesus is who he said he was. And he said, he's who he says he is. And he's in total control. Something happened that day on Calvary that redefined everything for you and me. If we'll open our hearts. No matter what you're going through today, let me encourage you to fix your eyes on one place. And that's upon Jesus Christ. He's in where you are. He's gone through what you've gone through and fixing your eyes upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
will get you through the worst times of your life. A great woman of faith, many of you have heard her bef- about her before, Corey Tim Boom, once wrote of an incident that took place in the prison camp where she and her sister Betsy were sent to during the uh, concentration camps of World War II. Every Friday, the Nazis made the prisoners completely undress for a medical inspection. The women were made to march naked past the grinning guards every Friday. Then one day as they were enduring this, Corey said, you know, another page leapt into life from the Bible. She heard in her heart and her spirit the words, Jesus hung naked on the cross. She said, I had not known or even thought about it before, but all the paintings and all the carved crucifixes that I had ever seen always showed Jesus with a little cloth covering him. But she says, all of a sudden, I realized that was only out of respect and reverence from the artist. She says, on that Friday morning at the cross, there had been no reverence. No more reverence that I saw on the guards' faces that were around me now.